This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is Anthony Gramani from Sonidus USA. Today we're going to take a unique approach to the podcast, and we're going to talk about sound treatment from an expert in acoustics. Anthony has over 28 years of experience in the audio industry, and in this episode, we get into some concepts that are important for getting a just normal bedroom size room to sound great for mostly recording and practicing drums, but also to create a nice mixing room. Many of us are recording from home, and so we wanted to bring something more unique to the table as far as discussing some of these things, and this will be one of about three parts that we're going to bring you from Anthony and his team at Sonatus. This episode is sponsored by Shure Microphones. Shure and Focusrite have combined forces, and they are bringing you the Drummer Bundle Track Pack for $899. Normally, $974. You save $75 with this sale. It comes with a Focusrite Scarlett 18i20 USB audio interface. This is the same interface that my co-host Zach Albetta has, and he's gotten some great sounds from it. He also has the drum microphone kit, the DMK5752 drum microphone kit that we offered before Christmas. This has three SM57s and a Beta 52 kick drum microphone industry standards, all with mounting brackets and four XLR cables and a carrying case. So check this out, the Drummer Bundle track pack from Shure for $899. Another one of our sponsors on the podcast is Air Gigs, and as you know, we've been doing a series of segments from a conversation we had with CEO David Blacker. This is a seven-part series that is available all together on Patreon. For as little as a dollar per month, you can access all seven of these segments, including other educational content that we've collected over the years from past guests. So go to patreon.com slash working drummer to find out more about that. But to go on to our last and final segment with David Blacker, here is part seven, other less common services you can offer on air gigs. There are other ways in to like, so like, there is a percussion category. Yep. So like you could have a, a drum listing and you could have a percussion listing that, you know, speaks to two different kind of audiences. So that opens you up a little more. There are um, consultations. So like people, you know, in, getting into like you could provide a consultation on drum production in general, you know, and that sort of thing. That That's interesting. We have... Um, we opened up a live stream shows category. I don't know if this is for everyone, but if you play with a couple people, you know, and, uh, you know, you want to get, like, people are hiring performers for, like, these, like, their own personal house concerts and yeah. stuff like that, which we were, thrill- we were thrilled to throw that out there and see it. We kind of threw it out there, you know, as, you know, in the wake of COVID, we were like, we got to figure out some new possibilities for people and people you know it's been happening people have been you know for private anniversary parties and like little house zoom gigs you know so it's been it's been wild so that's these are just some other areas we're opening an e-learning platform soon which we're really psyched about which is going to be um sort of like a skill share but all videos by you know 
studio musicians and you know uh, recording engineers and stuff. So we're 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 expanding into lots of other areas, and those might be things that you know drummers have other skills in these other areas, album artwork and etc. So there are other ways besides straight like session gigs to uh, to work. There's teaching too on the site. There's a, a lessons category, those kind of things. That's wonderful. Oh, very. That's cool. wonderful, man. Oh, just one other thing. You know, like audio editing. There could be like a you know, you know, drum production. You know gig where you're you know kind of dialing in the the feel of a of a of a you know recording or something like that or 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 you know replacing certain sounds or whatever it is but that's another possibility to just the production side of of working with uh, recorded drums post-production that's a really interesting thing i had a conversation with uh, my good friend mike that does writing and production and different things like that and when i was tracking for a client we were talking about like not only the performance but like choosing certain things maybe in editing or in percussion or in loops and finding where it sits in the pocket and and he goes you need to remember that's a skill that's a thing like you can't you don't just play but it's like to be able to hear something and deliver the performance the take the edit to do the thing that musically makes sense is a skill in itself. And what you're talking about is going a step further and providing that skill. Maybe you could say, hey, I can edit drums. If you have a performance from another drummer, that could be something on air gigs that they could say, okay, hey, listen, I've got this thing. I need it mixed. I need a better snare sound. Can you do sound replacement? Can you do... EQ, compression, do you understand that? I don't understand that. My drummer doesn't understand that. You know, those kinds of things. Exactly, exactly. And, and uh, you know, another add-on service could be just like a custom loops, ser- you know, service, you know, where you're, someone might not want, say, like a take, they just might want 10 loops in a certain feel, you know. Um, so that's another possibility as well. To find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes we've done, you can find us at workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and iTunes where you can rate and review this podcast. We want to give a big shout out to all the people that participated in our giveaway contest for our 300th episode, including our three winners, Mike Malone, Ryan Greenblatt, and Joe Tomino. And thanks to all those that liked and shared and reposted that episode. We appreciate everyone's support and all the companies that were involved in that giveaway. We're hoping to do more in the future. So before we get started, I want to let you know that the audio from this was taken from a Zoom call and presentation that Anthony did for us. If you go to the link, you can see the video version of this conversation and Anthony has a presentation and graphics. Now what I've done is I've taken screenshots of these and I will interject. So I will say listener figure one, listener figure two. So there's like eight different figures that you can go to and refer to the graphics as Anthony goes through them. There's also some additional pictures. If you decide you don't want to, that's fine. I've tried to edit this in such a way that if you're just going to listen to this just pure audio, it should make sense. But if you want to, you can always refer to those those graphics in the show notes on the website or on your device. 
So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Anthony Gramani from Sonatus USA. You are uh, an audio geek and a musician with over 40 years of experience. Anthony, tell us a little bit more. Give us a nice introduction uh, about who you are and what you do. Well, in the beginning, uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, there was no sound. No, um, I, I had the good fortune uh, of being born into a family of, uh, of musicians and engineers. Um, so my dad was an electrical engineer who worked in television and radio, audio, video. And my mom was a professional opera singer. Um, they met at the TV station where she had a music show. And so I kind of was born and bred into that. It's sort of like in my DNA. If you, if you actually suck a bit of my DNA out, you'll see a, you know, a treble clef in the transistor, I guess. Um, and uh, I, Studied electrical engineering and was always into audio. Was, had the amazing fortune of getting a job at Dolby Labs uh, in San Francisco, close to where I live here, uh, right out of college and worked there for a bunch of time. Um, and then uh, was recruited by Lucasfilm to go and work in the THX group to put together some new technologies for uh, smaller room THX applications. Uh, THX was originally for movie theaters. They wanted to expand into home theaters and smaller post-production facilities. And I was hired to, to run that. And so um, been doing that for a while. About 22 years ago, I, I left the comfort of corporate life to start uh, my own company that designs engineers and builds recording studios, uh, screening rooms, listening rooms, uh, drum rooms, which we're going to talk a bunch yeah. about here. Yeah. And I've uh, been doing, doing that for a while. So um, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm one of those lucky people that's been able to turn a passion and a hobby into a career, just like uh, a professional drummer, professional guitarist has been able to get from something that they like doing to something that pays the, the mortgage. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's been kind of my, my trajectory over the years. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, we want to take some time to pick your brain about how these things can be applied to drum rooms for practicing, for recording. So much of 2020 in the podcast we've been discussing with our different guests, uh, how everyone is going back, spending a lot of time at home, practicing, honing their skills, and building their home studio space. And so we've had some wonderful opportunities to talk about mic placement, uh, drum tuning, you know, different things like that, that, that interfaces, uh, different types of DAWs that people are using. And, but more often than not, not surprisingly probably, but uh, a lot of some of our, our favorite guests we've had on who've had successful studios and, and production studios, they talk a lot about the space. Uh, they talk a lot about their room and, you know, it's like uh, obviously the performance, the drummer, the touch and tone. But if you're in a bad room or if it's just there's so many things working against you there, it's it's a struggle. No plug in in the world can fix some of this. Right. Right. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so little funny anecdote, how, how I'm even involved in acoustics. I studied electrical engineering. That's about electronics. I know how to design a mic preamplifier, how to design a power amp, how to, the, you know, the gear. Uh, so I, I uh, in the beginning, I didn't pay much attention to acoustics. I know my dad talked a lot about acoustics and this thing and that thing. And he was big into designing speakers early on and 
Uh, but no, nowhere in my original field of education was that an issue and nowhere in my original work was that an application. But I, I actually had an accident. I actually had a, a, a crash course in acoustics one day um, at a trade show. I was putting together a demo uh, of a new technology we were developing at Dolby, and we put together a, a, a room at a big trade show in Europe and threw speakers in the air, and we're de demoing this technology, and it sounded like absolute dog, you know what. Um, it's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with our prototype board? You know, swap out the prototype circuit, put a new one in. Well, it's sounding the same. Okay, what's wrong with our program material? Maybe it's the source. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe the speakers are bad. So, after a whole day and a half of troubleshooting the gear, you know, being an electrical engineer, it's like it's all about the gear. I finally had the aha moment. The gear is all working fine, but this this room is all echoey. It's untreated. It's noisy. And what's coming out of the speakers, which is good right at the speakers, is getting bounced around by the room. Um, trade shows opening at 9 a.m. It's now 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And I've had the realization that, oh, yeah, you know, I need to put something on the walls like they do in recording studios and good listening rooms. There's just nothing on these walls. Oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot that. So what I did is I went back to the hotel, woke up all of the people in the team, stole their bedspreads. This was in Germany. So, you know, in the hotels, they, they, you, you sleep under a comforter. Stole everybody's comforters, went back to the convention center, nailed all of that up on the rooms. It looked like a bohemian uh, scene, uh, but the room got better. And the demo went on and the whole, the whole trade show was done that way with a bunch of comforters all the way around the room. People thought that was very homey and cute. Um, but that was my first big accident. So then I like started to read books on acoustics, talk to people uh, that are reputable in the field, made good friends along the way in acoustics and um, transitioned my work from just only electronics into, well, what matters is the electronics, the speakers, and then the space into which the sound is launched, whether it's from an instrument, like a right. drum, a guitar, or a loudspeaker, the space around the source is extremely important. I, I, have, some, uh, I have some presentations to, to like viscerally show you how important that is. But right. that's Wonderful. how I got into acoustics, and I still talk to a lot of studio folks that that talk that you know go well I, you know should i buy this mic or that mic and should i buy this mic pre oh my god this mic pre is like four thousand dollars should i get it oh my god and then this wire is like really high quality you know made by it uh, you know made in in transylvania with unobtainium and it sounds so much better it's like whoa hold on what about your room let's worry yeah. about that first and then we can get to these little incremental things on the back end you certainly do want a good mic you certainly do want a decent mic pre but there's a point at which um that's, you know, spending more money and energy on that is a diminishing return. And you want to look at what's the space in which you're recording or monitoring or just playing, just playing, you know, for practice. Um, yeah, so yeah. that's uh, the world of acoustics. And, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, one thing I want to get out of the way is I want to uh, address this idea of sound treatment and soundproofing and some of the misconceptions uh, that are out there pertaining to those two concepts. Yeah. Um, so people often use the word soundproofing. And, uh, a, and when they use that, you don't really know. In reality, you don't know what's in somebody's mind. So let's, let's kind of put a delineation in, in my slides. You'll be clear about that. In the field of acoustics, there, there's sort of there really is three three things, but I'm just going to talk about two mainly today. One, one thing is sound isolation. That's the term to be used 
think of it as privacy. Think of it, you're in, you're in your room practicing your drums. Does everybody around you hear you? When you close the door, are you now isolated in this space and the rest of either your family, the other practice rooms next door don't hear you? That, that would be a room that's well sound isolated. Right. In, independent from that, is what happens inside the room. How does the sound that's radiating out from your source, whether it's a speaker, a guitar, or drums, how is that bouncing around the walls and bouncing around? And the two are completely separated. So you can put as many sound panels, uh, absorber, diffuser panels, we'll talk about that, the stuff that you buy online or from a store to do acoustical treatment. You can put as many of those as you want on the wall. The If you don't do something to the wall itself, the sound's still going to leak out um, and go bother people around you. And we can certainly talk a little bit about sound isolation, sort of the, the big picture items of what matters. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, cool. So uh, where should we start, Matthew? Well, I'd love to start with a quote from your website. Uh, okay. It says, uh, your room is the final link between your system and your ears. Without control of its acoustics, the room will detract from the sound quality you experience because you mainly receive reflected sound energy at your listening position. And you're talking about like a home theater, but I also wrote down or the mic's position, because as we know, as sound deflects and it bounces around the room, you're talking about the position where your ear is and how you're hearing it and enjoying that sound in the home theater in a studio space. You know, you're listening to your, when you're mixing, when you're engineering, you're, you've got your speakers set up in such a way that you can mix accurately. You can get that great mix that is, 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 is accurate to what sound you're trying to achieve. When you're recording, a lot of times that microphone is acting like your ear. And so if the reflective sound is out of control, uh, the microphone is going to have the wrong information. Right. So I imagine the principles still apply in the same way. Yeah, so mi- microphones, uh, I'm going to say microphones don't lie. Uh, and what that means is our ears do lie. They do. It's uh, okay. really amazing. So for those of you who remember a little bit of math and physics, remember that from two points, you can only define a line, right? If there's a source and then another point, which is our two ears. Uh, in, in math, you can only tell something on that line. Yet, with our two ears, we are able to hear in three dimensions. How do we do that? It's kind of nuts. So one of the things that humans have, and probably most animals, although we can't really ask, you know, our friend, the cat or our friend, the dog, you know, how they're hearing. They have ears that tilt around and they can listen in multiple dimensions. We, We are able to hear in three dimensions by the combination of what's going into our ear canal and how our brain is processing it. So our brain compares the arrival times to the two years and the spectrum of the sound and a bunch of other things that allows us to tell with really good accuracy where something is around us. By the same token, we are able to, with what's called binaural hearing, the combination of our two ears and a bunch of brain stuff to do echo, I'll just use it. I'll just use the term echo and reverb cancellation. Our brain is able to tame down the amount of reverb and echo that's in a room in a space wherever and focus on the first arriving sound. And that's an instinct of preservation. That's actually what keeps us alive in a cave or a forest when there's a lot of sound reverberating around. We can tell where the velociraptor is. Um, And then we go, well, I'm done. (laughs) It's a velociraptor. 
um, if it's a if it's a slower moving animal, maybe we can climb a tree, run, or whatever. But our our binaural hearing, you know, our two ears, has the ability in even in very echoey spaces to pinpoint where the sound is and turn down the reflected sound. Microphones don't do that. Okay. They don't have okay. any of that. They just pick up everything, and I'm sure. Everybody that's listening to this has had the experience of going, okay, I'm hearing one thing. Now I just put up a mic, whether it's a cardioid mic or an omnidirectional mic, and there's so much room tone in it. It's totally reflective. What's going on? It's like, well, the mic doesn't lie. It's just picking up what's going right into the mic and recording that. So you, if you want, actually a really interesting thing you can do to hear what a room is doing is you just plug one ear. Now you've defeated what's called a binaural hearing, which is that whole process that compares what's entering the two ears. And you get to an extent, just by listening around, you get a little bit more of an impression of what a mic's going to pick up. It's still not totally accurate because this thing produces directivity at the ear. Uh, and don't do a Van Gogh and cut it off, okay? It's not, not <laughs> worth it to hear what, uh, what you're going to hear from a mic. But... Um, there's a lot more sound reflections and reverb and echo in a room than, than you hear normally as a human being. And I'm, I'm going to show you that in a second. Okay. Um, so, so you want to tame that down. Now, there, there's a second part to that. Um, when you're in a room and you're practicing your drums or you're playing anything, you're with the band, you're on your own, whatever it is, all of that echo sound is still going into your ears and it's processed out by your brain. And that actually creates some amount I'm just going to call it, you know, your brain has to work. It's some brain fatigue to process out that stuff. As you're sitting there doing your practice for two or three hours and you're listening in a room that's all echoey, it's fatiguing. Yeah. And so um, if you can tame down those reflections and control them, not eliminate them completely, we'll talk about that, but if you can tame them down, it's more comfortable. So just your whole practice session is going to be more comfortable. Um, first time I realized this was relatively early on in my career is my trans translated career from an engineer to an acoustician is we did um, uh, a post-production room for for a, a well-known company in in Hollywood and treated their room tuned everything put new speakers you know turned it from a, a space that was echoey and nasty into something that sounded good and now the you know you would think the uh, what was going on in there is remixing and QC of program material for video releases. And it gets all done. I'm, I'm asking the main operator of that room, so what do you think? And I'm expecting, wow, it sounds so much better. Thank you, man. I can finally hear everything. The track is so cool. The answer was, this is great. I can actually work for more than six hours in here without getting a headache. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Oh yeah, man. Before like five or six hours, I was just, I was toast. I, I would still put it my eight hours in, but the last two hours was like, <laughs> wow. So now, now after eight hours, I'm still feeling good. Um, I leave, I go home. I'm not yelling at everybody, not kicking the dog, kicking the cat. It's like, what? And I looked into that. What's the deal? What's the, the fatigue that comes from being in a room that's echoey? So that explains why my clarinet teacher, when I was a kid and playing not so well, was really aggro. I thought it was me playing really crappy. No, no, no. It was him being in a box in an actual practice room. I remember like a 10 by 10 All box right. at, the, at the conservatory where I went um, and, not, and, and listening to echoey clarinets from really bad players all day long. Um, don't do it. Treat your room. It doesn't cost that much money. I'm going to show you, you know, some things you can do. Uh, the main focus in the slides I'm going to show is around drum rooms. 
um, but uh, treat the room and you'll, you'll, you'll start off with a more comfortable performance. One, two, it'll sound better because bouncy, echoey rooms just don't sound good. Your yeah. drums are going to bloom. It'll just feel better. If you actually stick some microphones in there, it's going to sound better. Um, and uh, you'll think, you, you'll actually think your drum kit suddenly has gotten a whole lot better. And it does because the room's not screwing it up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I also want to give a, a, a big thank you uh, to you guys for helping to support our 300th uh, episode giveaway. Uh, you guys have a great product called the kicker 4.0. Uh, we were able to give those out to a couple contest winners uh, they're just a, a great application for uh, bass drum muffling with some options just to give you that, you know, the, the choice of, of, of muffling a little bit or a lot. And there's yeah. also, uh, it, there's a place for a mic stand and uh, it, it's, it's just all in one. It's, it's a really great thing. So kicker 4.0. On our website, there's a little demo of two different kick drums with and without. And you, you so it's right there. You hear it. One's just boing, boing, boing. And the other one's nice and thud and tight. Yeah. A lot of that boing, boing, you can actually, uh, in recording, you can pull out by putting a low-pass filter, you know, damping out the mid-ranges, uh, which is, you know, EQ and more work. Or you can just do it acoustically and start off with something that sounds good in the room. Um, so you, well, you save a lot of time with that. Starting at the source, you know. I mean, yeah. everyone, it, it, everything, everybody talks about the great sounds come from the source. Uh, right. We also did a Instagram post. I did it from my studio space and uh, showed the different sounds, and uh, it it was it's remarkable and it's quick and time is money. And yeah. drummers are not only called upon these days to take the track, perform, but because so many of us are recording from home and recording remotely. You have to put the stems together. You have to export them. You know, you may want to do some EQ or compression or things like that if they don't want it raw. But there's, we're going the extra mile these days to do more than we did even five years ago. So to expedite the situation. So what a great yeah. thing. What a great if thing. If you can deliver a track where wh whoever's getting it and laying it in, it's just... Uh, ready to go. It doesn't take a whole bunch of tweaking to make it work. Oh, they love you. We'll be happier. And they go, well, let's use that drummer again. What, you know, what, what we got worked, uh, all good. So, they love it. They love it. Yeah. Well, um, so, uh, what are some things that drummers need to consider? I mean, a lot of us are setting up in the space that we have, right? So we're talking about a bedroom yep. size space. Uh, my space, uh, is 11 by 14, eight foot ceilings. Pretty cool, pretty decent. Um, but there's still some issues, you know, right. there's frequencies, there's flutter, there's, there's other things like that. So, right. Exactly. What I'm going to do is actually, I'm going to show you a kind of a typical recommended concept for what to do in a room uh, that's, you know, about your size. Like what, what do you put on the walls? Uh, how do you lay it out? And uh, I'll, I'll kind of show you what I would do. It, actually, th this room's about your, your same size. Um, this room would be a, kind of a, a, either a one-car garage or a master bedroom. It's a little big, bigger than a kid's room. You know, typical kid's rooms are 12 by 10. Yep. Master bedrooms are 15 or 16 by 10 or 12. So this is more like a master bedroom type size. So I'm going to show you what I would do in a room about that size. 
Hey listener, if you're checking out the audio version of this podcast, we've included the graphics and I will interject as we go through this process by telling you which slide Anthony is referring to. So for example, this first one will be figure one. So if you're following along in your hymnal, you should be able to access these graphics on your device. And once again, I will interject and say figure one, figure two, etc. Uh, for now, we are looking at figure one. What I'm going to do is kind of start with the end of the movie. I'm going to say, this is what I would do. And then I'm going to go back and explain why. Uh, so you understand the, the theory behind it. So um, this, is, this is actually um, a plant set generated from our engineering division called PMI Engineering. Uh, PMI Engineering has been around for 22 years. Like I said, just developed about a thousand different projects over that time. And this is a typical plant set we would deliver to somebody that said, okay, I have a room like this. What do I do? And we go, okay, well, let us study it. We'll engineer it. We'll do a bunch of geeky calculations and then churn that out as a plant set. So um, there are, here's some uh, interior renderings of what the room would look like. And this is what I would consider kind of a, uh, a high, a high quality result. So this is somebody goes, I want it really good. I'm going to be recording tracks that I got to deliver that need to work really well. Um, I've got a budget of about, I think, I think what's in these diagrams would end up retailing for, if I remember right, around $2,800, if I'm, if I'm correct about that. Okay. So it's not on the low end, certainly not on the high end. Uh, you know, you can easily spend 10 or $12,000 on uh, materials you put on the walls for a room this size. So somewhere, somewhere around 28 to $2,900, forgive me. I just don't quite remember the right number, but um the, there's some there's four perspectives uh, of what's on the walls um, and there are on the walls there are some absorbers so these red things so there's an array of sound absorbing devices that convert the sound waves actually into heat through friction inside the cells of the uh, of the foam and then there's an array of diffusers of various types of diffusers and I'm going to actually show you wall by wall what we're putting around okay um, but in, in a general sense, the, the walls are lined evenly all the way around with uh, absorbers that are spread all the way evenly. Not so many. I, I know it looks like a lot here, but if you look at the overall surface area, it's only about 15 to 20% of the wall surface of absorption. So we're not deadening out the room. We're just damping it down a bit. And then there's other gizmos that go on the walls that are diffusers. Those panels scatter the sound back out. Don't absorb it. Okay. Instead of the sound bouncing around, going ping, 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 making it kind of shouty and nasty, especially on, on a mic. It's taking all the sound waves and breaking it out into a little fog, a smooth, a smooth mist of sound radiation. And there's different types of them. I'll go through all of that. Um, on the ceiling, you'll see in these four perspectives from the four corners, the middle of the room is, is largely absorptive and the perimeter is a bunch of diffusers. Now, the reason to absorb the middle, um, I, I often see rooms in which there's diffusion right in the middle. What I found is this, you're gonna put some overhead mics to, you know, to both ca uh, capture your, all of your brass, all your cymbals and mm -hmm. crashes, and also to capture you know, a bit of a spacious sense of your whole drum kit. And those things are gonna be just a foot or two away from your ceiling. 
you know, if you have an eight foot ceiling, you have a mic at six feet to get as a good overhead, you just have two feet. And that, the sound from the drums, it goes up to the, you know, passes the microphone, goes up to the ceiling and bounces right back to the microphone with that short return, makes things sound like dog do. It's just, it's like, right. you know, and, any, and any of you guys that have put in a short delay, like a two millisecond or four millisecond delay on any sound is like, oof, that's nasty. There's that analogy of, you know, just overdriving the microphone and yeah. it not going any and it just causing phasing and other issues. I, I might be speaking way it's, above it's, my it's paper. Okay. Yeah, no, it's exactly. It's it ultimately that round trip puts, puts uh, 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 holes and peaks and holes holes at different frequency and everything yeah. just sounds phasey. Two things that I, I want to just just uh, point out that you that you talked about the difference between absorption an, an absorber and and, uh, and a diffuser. That, that just the important yeah. distinction between those two things, and then also the idea of how we're not here to dead in the room, especially at drummers. We're looking for live. Uh, uh, live drums. This is what we're right. selling to our clients, mm -hmm. and when we have limited space. Uh, you know, like, I don't want to deaden the room. I want it to be live. I want this air. I want, but, it, but it's like, if you're not controlling the sound, then you're going to have phasing issues and right. it's going to be, it's not going to be as good of a track. So just it's, to, just to really highlight important. those. Really mm -hmm. important. And when later, if we have time, I get into more of the theoretical geekiness of this, I'm going to repeat about four times. Don't over damp the room. No. Just treat, treat. A bit of absorption, not too much. Now, in the case of drums, what you're trying to, or, or actually other instruments, what you're trying to get rid of from this, especially the pickup of the microphones, is that boxy sound. That, that sound you will always recognize if you don't do anything to the room that has, you know, that, that character that the slap is so close to the mics, it just sounds boxy. Yeah. Um, and our ear recognizes that immediately because, we, you know, we listen in, in boxy spaces all the time. So we're trying to get rid of that. And Good news is to get rid of that, you just need a little damping, a little bit of scattering, strategically located, and boom, you're done. It sounds neutralized and not dead. It, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not totally sapped. So let me go to the next slide. Hey, listener, this is figure two, the acoustical treatment symbol key. Uh, th this is the legend for what I'm going to show uh, in the next slides. We have some two by four panels that we're mainly going to put on the ceiling. We have some two by two panels, which is that red one I just showed you. Um, we have this product called the Big Fuser, which is a, a big, what I call the 3D diffuser. It's, uh, it's very cost effective. These things are usually for most, um, most people are anywhere between three and $600. Uh, Sonatus, which is a European company uh, based in Croatia, uh, has found a way to make these for, I'm going to, uh, it's about 80 bucks a pop, I think, including shipping. We sell it in a box of three. So it's 260 bucks for three of them, including shipping. So let, let me actually introduce Sonatus, the company yes. that makes all these things. So Sonatus is, is, is based, like I said, in Croatia, uh, about an hour outside of Zagreb. And you go, Croatia, what the hell, where is that? Um, well, so <laughs> Croatia is in Europe and the Eastern part of Europe was, part of the, the kind of the Russian uh, block for a long time. And then the wall came down, they, everybody went their own way. Um, and uh, this guy called Manuel, uh, a drummer, no less, uh, decided, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to build myself my recording studio and record with my buddies. And he, you know, opened all the books and said, okay, I want to buy some of these, some of these, some of these. Well, he couldn't get them. So he just made his own. 
he went out and found suppliers that could sell him some foam materials, some wood materials, and he started to make his own acoustical treatments. And then one thing led to another. He started to make them for other people. And, and then later he just finds himself with a big factory, lots of employees making all kinds of really cool uh, all, uh, acoustical materials for all kinds of applications, including the kicker that I showed you before, this diffuser yeah. and other products. And this is clearly the case that necessity is the mother of invention. Um, so he needed acoustical treatments, couldn't find them, made his own. And good for you guys that are watching this. He's a drummer. So it's all about how to get you know his drums to sound good. Um, so that's Sonatus. Uh, my company here is the distributor for that product in, in the USA and Canada and, and uh, Latin America called okay. Sonatus USA. That, that leads me to a question. There's a lot of DIY sound treatment out there. What is it about this that ups your game compared to yeah. going to the fabric store or trying to find something to hang on your wall that is hiding in your attic or at the uh, at Walmart or something like that? So that's a that's a good question. I started this in the world of DIY. So, you know, I had to make my own things. You know, originally it was those those famous comforters, right, that I stuck on the wall. Right, right, right. Making. It is a pain in the ass to yeah. make those. So yeah. most most common way to make an absorber is you buy a chunk of dense fiberglass and then you, you cut it to the shape you need. Um, and then you go buy fabric and the fabric has to be acoustically transparent so that the sound gets through the fabric into the fiberglass. The fiberglass is the real absorbing material, the fibrous mm -hmm. material that's going to convert a sound, the, the actual sound energy into heat. That's how it absorbs. Um, doesn't, it can't just trap sound and keep it in there and then you wring it out and it all falls down. No, no, it's just <laughs> the air molecules vibrate and they, yeah. they friction up against the fiberglass. So in the process of doing that friction, you've also gotten fiberglass all over your arms, in your face, in mm -hmm. your lungs, in your coffin for days after that. Yeah, you think you got uh, COVID, and it's it's fiberglass. It's just fi it's fiberglass. It's not COVID. Sorry. Um, so you, you cover it with fabric. You have to glue the fabric. It's going to look like crap the first ten times you do it. And by the time you add all of the materials together, and if you value your time at all, like if oh, you yeah. just just at minimum wage, okay, whatever that is, depending on where you are. But if you value your time at about twenty bucks an hour, which is not minimum wage, but that's you know what what opportunity cost you have in doing something different than making those you've just paid about four times the price of that absorber than you can buy it either over the internet or you know from from a supplier well and i think another thing that people need to consider is so many of your potential clients if you're working remotely or having them in your studio space people listen with their eyes yep. they come in and if i mean if this was my studio space here People would be like, oh, great. But yeah. if they walk into my studio space and things are painted and look good and, yeah. and you know, I've got some nice things on my desk, they're like, oh, okay, yeah. this is going to be, this can be a fun experience. I'm, I'm feeling creative and yeah. we're going to go. It, it looks good. It doesn't look like a kludge. So that, that's making an absorber. It's hard. Making a diffuser out of wood materials, which is, the, you know, a DIY. If you look that up, you'll find lots of people all over the internet that tell you how to build one. Same thing, unless you're a woodworker and you have a really nice wood shop and you have access to materials that are not too expensive, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to be a pain. Um, yeah, yeah. For some people, that's not a pain. It's fun. They like doing that. Great. Just go ahead, have it, do it. If you're a drummer, you're a working drummer and you really want to, you want to focus on your craft, I would, at the cost of what you can buy these things from suppliers, both us and other very good suppliers out there, it's not worth your time. 
don't, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't do DIY it. You're going to be, basically you're going to be doing just like Manuel um, in Croatia and, and you're going to spend a whole bunch of time. And in the end, you're going to find yourself with a factory making this stuff and you go, my God, where have I gone? What have I done? I want to play drums, man. This is not my beautiful (laughs) drum. So, uh, This is not my beautiful house, my beautiful wife. <laughs> this is my factory. So on, on this diagram, just to reintroduce, I'm going to show you some absorber panels that are two foot by four foot, some that are two foot by two foot, some big fusers, some four fusers, which is a, um, um, I'll show you that later. It's a, it's a different type of diffuser that diffuses only in one direction. Uh, I call that a 2D diffuser, not to refer to the quadratic residue equation, but just to talk about the sound comes in and scatters the sound in, in two dimensions, what's called a hemi-disc. Um, I'm also going to talk about what's called a decosorber, which is an absorber in which there's a decorative faceplate that makes the, the material look better, but also absorbs better at low frequencies. So it's not as much of a high-frequency absorber. It's more of a, a, a mid-base to uh, up upper mid-range absorber. And I'm also going to talk about corner, uh, what we call the deco trap, which is a corner absorber. I'll show you that also a little bit later. So let's call this the left wall. I'm calling it the left wall because when you sit on your drum stool, that's the wall that's to your left, okay? Listener, this is figure three. This would be the wall just to the left of your drum set or the hi-hat side. First off on the left wall, uh, I would recommend putting just four of these two by two absorbers so that's four square feet and four square feet and four square feet and four square feet. That's 16 square feet. And 16 square feet out of, uh, let's say, a room about your length, the total surface area here is about 180 or 200 square feet. So that's just 16 and 180. It's not that much absorption. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're going to put those there. And what they're going to do is they're, they're, they're going to absorb out the, the majority of the wave front that leaves your drum kit and would normally hit that wall, go bam, and come back and jump back and forth between the two walls and make your recordings not sound good and also make your ear brain system suffer. So uh, these are typically about 30 inches off the floor, 20, 28 to 30 inches off the floor, just capturing the, the sort of the main part of the, uh, the sound waves. Then in between those, um, I'm going to uh, suggest putting some big fusers here. That that big chunk that I just showed you. The big fusers again are what I call what I call the 3D diffuser. Sound that hits it is going to scatter out in the hemisphere. Yeah. So some of the sound is going to bounce back out. Where's my mouse? Is going to is going to bounce horizontally. Is going to bounce vertically. It's just going to scatter back out evenly all the way the, around the room. And then over here, I'm going to recommend putting the four fuser, which is again a hemi disc diffuser. The sound that hits it is going to scatter back out in a plane. And you can intersperse those. What we're just trying to do is to take the sound off your drums and scatter it into smaller little pieces, which is the same thing that would happen in a big room. So drums can sound really good in a big recording studio. We're talking about a room that's maybe 50 foot with 16 or 20 foot ceilings. There's a studio not far from here called The Plant, very well-known room, very, yeah. you know, a, a famous studio. Our chief engineer used to be the chief engineer over there. It's getting reopened. Actually, Ken Calais, who had produced um, all the early Fleetwood Mac stuff there, has uh, uh, bought the place up with a bunch of, of associates, and they're reopening that. And there's, there's rooms in there that are really big, really tall ceiling. You don't need a lot of treatment. The drums bloom. They sound great. And the microphones don't pick up that tight echo that comes from close walls. We're trying to simulate that. I see. I so see, yes. That that's a really important concept is we're going to try to get rid of that tight slap echo. And by using diffusers, 
we're going to try to make the sound bloom. It's just going to go. Now you're, to be fair, you're never going to get to two seconds of reverb time that make things sound like, you know, sorry, can't, can't get there. That would be a lie to say that. But by breaking it into smaller pieces, what the mic is going to pick up is just going to sound smoother, more open, and just more pleasant. So uh, summarizing all this yada, yada, yada. Four, four absorber panels, you know, two by two or two two by fours. And then four diffuser panels to scatter the sound. We're leaving some amount of reflective surface. Notice I'm not putting stuff everywhere. And just in the, you know, in the, if you imagine being a, a wavefront going to that wall, you're encountering absorption and diffusion, all cool. Now, what about these other gizmos? What's down here is, a, is again, what we call the, the decosorber. It's a decorative absorber, mainly a low frequency absorber. It works from about 150 hertz to about a kilohertz. So it doesn't absorb too much of the highs, which you don't want to overabsorb. And it just kind of takes out the, that low frequency whoomp that you usually get out of rooms that are too small. And then finally in the corner is uh, our, our version of a bass trap. We actually have th three or four different products we sell, but it's what we call the deco trap because the, the patterns are sort of uh, quadratic in a way, uh, or you can think of it as Morse code. It's available in different colors. This is the walnut, but you can get in, you can get in a light wood and a red wood, all, all kinds of different finishes. We also have different patterns than, than this, all, all of which the purpose is to create to make this be a diaphragm absorber in the front. So it actually really does absorb low frequencies, really is a trap, not just a big chunk of foam. Mm -hmm. um, and also filter out the mids and highs. So high frequency sounds will, are gonna bounce off this, which is, which is critical. You don't wanna overabsorb the highs because that's gonna make the, the room and your recording sound just sound muffled, muted. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Okay, that's important. So that's our left wall. Um, this is what I would call the front wall, the one you're staring at when you're sitting at your drum kit. Listener figure four. Looks remarkably similar. You got <laughs> some absorbers, uh, some diffusers, uh, two, two of the big fusers. Again, big chunk of this thing that looks like a skyline. And then two of the four fusers. You, you'll then see the other sets of bass traps, the, the deco traps. Um, let's look at the other wall. Hey, looks familiar. Listener, figure five, the right side wall. Um, so this is the right wall, the, the one opposite from where the door was in our little theoretical diagram. So in this case, six absorbers, two four fusers, two, two, two of the um, big fusers, and then some more of the, the you know, mid-frequency absorbers, the, the decosorbers, and more deco traps. And then finally, the back wall, the one that's behind you, Listener, figure six, the back wall. Four, four absorbers, two of the big fusers, two of the four fusers, and then you, you see another decosorber and the deco trap. So um, again, just going around the room, it looks basically like rinse and repeat all the way around. So some absorbers, some diffusers, a bit of low frequency absorption, some traps, absorbers, diffusers, low frequency absorption traps, more of that, more of that. Now, important, a lot of people forget the ceiling. Listener, figure seven, the ceiling. Or deaden the ceiling. You know, they, they put absorbers everywhere, put a drop ceiling with, you know, acoustic tile. Don't do that. You, you need stuff that's blooming around that way. Mm -hmm. And the way I, I found that I, I find that it sounds good from doing a bunch of, <coughs> of small rooms that you put drums in and you're trying to do recordings that 
sound every bit as professional as what you could get at the plant, is absorb the whole middle of the ceiling. Um, we have these panels, uh, two inches thick, uh, called canvas. Uh, and to be fair, to be, we're, we're not the only game in town. Sounds, sounds weird for somebody to go, you know, you can buy it from us, buy it from other people. That's the reality. I don't want to lie to you. No fake news here. There's a lot of good suppliers out there. We have our offer. Our prices are competitive. The quality is really good. Um, you're buying it from Croatia. How exotic. Um, but um, a, a good two-inch thick either fiberglass or rock wool-based absorber on the ceiling. You know, we just fill the middle of the ceiling and then around the perimeter, uh, put more diffusers. So in this case, our layout is a set of four fusers uh, in, on, on, along the long walls, in the corners, uh, the, the big fuser so that the sound that hits those gets splashed in three dimensions and bounces around the corners and comes back after it's like all these little pellets, these small mist of sound. And there you have it. Um, so not particularly complicated. Um, I know these renderings make it look like, man, there's a ton of stuff on there. Yeah. That's an idiosyncrasy yeah. of what happens when you turn this around sideways. But that's the overall view of the drum room. Um, looking at this wall, which is the right wall again, some absorbers interleaved with some diffusers, both 2D and 3D, some low-mid absorbers, some corner traps, and the same thing all the way around. So if you do this to your room, and uh, actually if you start with picking the right color, going to our website, ordering this thing for somewhere around 2,800 bucks to three grand, including shipping, um, and then installing it all like this, it's it's going to, one, make a room that sounds great to be in and play, um, and then make give you a room that when you put up microphones and you do a recording, what, whether it's just a spaced pair to do minima, minimalist recordings or um, full uh, multi-mic multi recording, it's, it's going to sound a whole lot better than it did before. I think that's a really good point because there's lots of uh, great opportunities to record with minimal miking when your room is sounding good. And that yeah. should be an option for clients that don't want to mess around or they're looking for a very organic sound. And if yeah. they're coming to you for drum tracks, real drums from a real drummer, then deliver something that, yeah. that, that is something they can't get in the box. Right. Uh, so I'm not one of those guys that, you know, you'll find sometimes in either audio file or very pure circles that everything has to be done with two mics and a story. But... If you can actually just put up two mics in a place, and you obviously won't need one for the kick too, um, two mics and a kick, and and just do that recording. And if it sounds good, man, you saved yourself a whole ton of time and energy. Your files are smaller. Everything is easier. Um, once you put up a whole lot of microphones, you then have to deal with intermicrophone phasing. Yeah. That as you start to open all the faders, you start to hear the interactions between them. It gets complicated. Not to say that a multi-mic recording cannot be made to sound good. It just takes, uh, it takes more work. It takes more care, both for you and whoever the client is. So uh, the better control the room is, the, the more you run a chance of being able to use less mics and get that really nice organic tone. Um, there's an old, old buddy of mine. I sent a kick or two who's got a room with a bit of treatment and stuff. And uh, he's, he was a professional drummer for a while. He decided I want, I didn't want to do this for the rest of my life. He started to work in, in the audio business, uh, you know, um, for manufacturers of audio gear. Now he's retired and he sent me a recording of 
him playing in his room. It was just his phone. He just stuck his phone on a little stand and just him playing. And it sounded great. Yeah. The room was treated. He's got a kicker in his, in his kick drum. So it's not flabby. And for the type of music he plays is like, wow, that you could just lay in a bunch of instruments in there, lay in a singer and you're done. So, uh, it's a cool concept. Listener, we've also included some photorealistic images that you can see as well. That gives you a better idea of how this stuff looks in the room. Whereas those diagrams make it look like there's a lot of stuff on the walls, this is kind of what it could look like. Okay. Now, I, I, uh, I should clarify one thing. It, we, we uh, within Sonatus and within other manufacturers, we, we kind of have these three different tiers of quality of okay. product. Right. We have a standard tier, we have a premium tier, and an ultra tier. It's kind of like the Radio Shack approach of good, better, best. And the diagrams I showed all assume an acquisition of our products in the kind of in the the middle tier, the 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 better, what we call premium solutions. So that's that's what I just showed you. All right. Uh, this particular diagram I realize is is what we would do with a pair of speakers for a mastering room, for example, but. You know, same kind of thing for your drum room. Sometimes I get people who go, "Well, that's all great and all great, but I have a room in which I'm I'm miking my drums, but I'm also it's also my mix room. What do I do?" Right. Well, this, right. These would be recommended layouts for a, a mixing environment, very similar. Actually, I'm going to go forward uh, for that same size room. If in, instead of in the middle of the room you had your drums, instead of that, if you actually put a, a desk, a chair, and a keyboard, this would be the layout. It's a little bit different um, in that there's a there's a refocus because the sounds coming out of speakers in front. I would say if if you set the room up for drum drum playing and miking, and you then went into the middle of the room and put a desk there and listened to your speakers, it will be fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, it won't be broken. If you said, well, I, I really want to make sure it's optimal with our magnetic mounting kit, you can actually move things around. You can take the diffusers from over here and move them there, the absorber from here. Oh, good point. Very, very cool. It now, let me ask you about the ceiling because above the desk, you have uh, those clouds, you have that absorbers yeah. above as you did uh, for overheads above your symbols. You've got yeah. those absorbers. Uh, I see a lot of studio setups where they've got their drum set up. You turn around or turn to the side or whatever, and there's your desk. So you're kind of almost in the same spot. You might switch out a seat, but you're kind of sitting in the same spot of the room. Just one way, there's the desk. One way, there's the drum set. You can can stop and start sessions, and then you can turn right around and mix. So it's possible that you can set that up above you. So that it works. Yeah. yeah. So the the so if you're trying to be super precise about this, like you know, what do I really need? Um, it is a generally accepted practice that the ceiling point that's between your monitors and your head mm-hmm. uh, feels like I'm doing a music video. <laughs> um, monitors here, your mix position is here, and this point you really want to absorb. You don't want stuff coming back off the ceiling, even diffused. You just want to you just want to kill that. That's for mixing, for listening to speakers. And then yeah. it's generally accepted that past that around you want to scatter the sound around up in the ceiling, and that kind of makes things sound more more real, better. You get a better sound stage. I so see. if 
if you took your drum room as it was before and you turned from one direction to the other, you would have absorbers all in the middle. And in this perimeter right here, you would have a row of diffusers. And it's possible that the way your monitor sound may not be ideal because the sound that would go up would bounce off diffusers. It, it may not sound good. I'm using a lot of maze impossible because it could sound absolutely fine. Yeah. If you yeah. wanted to be able to reorient it all, dude, just use that magnetic mounting thing and you can, you know, take the diffusers off that are in that ceiling section and not, not when you do pre-mixing or whatever, but when you're doing that final mix, just, Take the diffusers off, put the absorbers there just, just for that, and boom, you're done. That's amazing. Easy enough. So this is a 150-square-room rendering. Listener, figure eight. So 15 by 10 room, really common. Um, and what we would do for that room for mixing, for you know, pair of speakers, mm -hmm. a desk, keyboard, you know, for writing, mixing, whatever. Um, and you could set up a room like this. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is that the middle of the back wall is mainly absorbed. It used to be thought 30, 40 years ago that you put diffusers all the way about against the back wall. And then uh, acousticians have found, well, that doesn't always work. The image is often kind of funky. There's a really, really good paper uh, presented at AES, I think I, I want to say 20... 20 or 25 years ago by Sean Olive and Floyd Toole, two very illustrious acousticians in our field to come out of the National Research Council. It's called about confusion, about diffusion and confusion, if you guys want to look that up. And it's all about like, you know, how much diffusion do you put in a room? Where do you put it? And lining up the whole back wall with diffusers is a great way to confuse your stereo image. Don't believe me, read the paper. These, these guys are doctors in this stuff. Um, not medical doctors, but doctors in acoustics. Yes, there are those. They have, you know, DR and their name behind that. <laughs> That's um, right. And they have found, they have found, you know, obscure reference to some political stuff. All right, right. I hear that, you. <laughs> that the best thing to do with the middle of your back wall, a middle of your back wall is to absorb it. Um, and then put scattering on the outside. So that's what we're showing here. So four four big absorbers in the middle, a big two two foot by two foot. Those same things I showed you, gotcha. and some diffusers on the outside. Um, and if you're turning that back into your drum room and you want to, and you use the magnetic clip, you just go okay, pop pop, just move them around. Yeah. Uh, or maybe this works fine. Uh, I would think this is too much absorption in the middle of a wall for a drum to bloom right. So you can move it around and, and adjust it. Anyway, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I would do in your room. I know I have the pictures. We can do more on that. I will, I will say that we do offer support services where if somebody sends us pictures of their rooms and some dimensions and a little bit of a, you know, a little description of what's right and what's wrong, we can help give advice and go, well, you should do this and you should do that. Um, for a small fee, we can generate a full set of diagrams that you can you can use for either yourself to install them or give them to a, a contractor to install the panels. So, um, so anyway, there's a, a bunch more of these diagrams. This is what a room would look like if you use the higher end panels. Uh, and there you go. Summary of uh, this business of reflections is that they cause discomfort. Uh, they degrade sound quality and recording quality, and the treatments are absorption and diffusion, just not too much of either of them, and you want to place them strategically. So the right amount at the right location. So without sounding flippant, I still yeah. haven't figured this out. I've only been doing it for 40 years. I've read a lot of books, and, and you know, I've figured out sort of the, the big chunks, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the big core issues. There's a ton of little 
subtlety and how this room and how that thing works and this theory from this kind of speaker that's confusing. And um, I don't, I don't, anybody who says around acoustics and psychoacoustics, I got it all. You should just go, probably not because it's, it's a really complicated science, kind of like medicine. You know, there's people who practice medicine their whole life. They're only practicing. (laughs) That's the joke. Um, And um, I, what, what, what we like to do is help with as much of our knowledge and experience and um, having read a lot of papers. I have a whole file cabinet of, of AES, Acoustica, and other, other papers that um, are inspiration, you know, that people have been paid to do this research. We, we re- use a lot of that. We've tried a lot of different things. We've made our mistakes. Um, and, you know, I had to fix them at our cost often. And we're, we're here to share that with you. Um, and the, the way we share it, by the way, is we start off by offering packages. So we, we have taken all these absorbers, diffusers, base traps, and we've grouped them into a, one of those recipes that says, if you use all these things and you shake it right and you put it on the walls right, it's probably going to sound good. Kind of like those companies that sell you you know, you can buy all the ingredients to make dinner. They show up at your doorstep right, with an instruction right. and, you know, you follow the instructions. You don't have to go to the market and figure out what it is. You just follow their recipe. It's all there. And you end up with something where everybody goes, wow, you're a really good cook. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so we kind of do the same thing. If you go to our website, it's called sonatususa.com. Um, I don't know if I have a a website link here anywhere. I could probably pull. We'll it have there. it down below in our show right. notes and, and and in the description. Uh, no. So if you go to that website, you can you can look at the individual components, or you can look at packages. And where those packages again are, they're not made to a price point. They're made to the hey, a room that's about 250 square feet needs this much absorption, this much diffusion, this much base trapping, and it needs to be laid out more or less this way. Look at the recipe. It's you're basically by doing that, you're benefiting from 40 years of goofing around to figure out what it is. And then beyond that. Uh, if you go, look, I, I think I like this package, but my room's a little different. By the way, notice that in all my diagrams, there's a room with just a door. There's no windows. There's nothing else in the way. Fat right. chance you're ever going to get that in your converted bedroom, right? Right, so right. Everyone's going to have their own uh, version of this, and you know we're here to help. Send us your diagrams. Either I will, Andrew will, Mario will give you some advice on you know what to do over here and how to apply these. Yeah. No, this, there, there's a... There was a couple things in your presentation here that really resonated with me that I hadn't thought of. And I know that everyone else that's watching this, there's going to be maybe a a point in their their knowledge, their experience that is is going to be, uh, there's going to be something that's going to resonate with them as well. And maybe just kind of give them a little bit of more of a window into uh, tackling some issues. Uh, The idea of the um, you know, phasing for me and just trying to better understand that. Um, some of us have spent a lot of time and many years working on recording and have this engineering experience. Um, I, I, I want to go out on a limb and say a lot of our listeners who are drummers uh, don't have quite the experience at engineering and understanding a lot of this stuff. So we are on quite a learning curve here and trying to play catch up as we're wearing many hats at the same time. So right. uh, anything uh, that you're talking about is, is, is just, it's extremely useful in just adding to the, the much needed knowledge that we have to continue to, to do what we're doing, especially, uh, especially these days. But um, even as, even once things get back to normal, uh, 
I think a lot of us have the recording bug and we're right. going to keep doing it. And, uh, you know, we want the best sounds we can. So. Uh, absolutely. And, and so, like I said in the beginning, beyond just the recording, there's also what's, what sounds comfortable to our ears while we're spending, you know, some number of hours a day in our music rooms doing what we do. Oh yeah. Gosh, man. I, I know that, that like years ago when I first started playing and, you know, it was, it, loud, you know, loud venues and, and monitors, no in-ear monitors and just volume and my ears would be ringing at the end of the night. I was physically exhausted. Right. And then when sounds got better, venues were better. I understood how to tune drums and then maybe using more in-ears. I just felt like I had more energy. You yeah. know, I wasn't just completely wiped out at the end of the night. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, some, so I, I spent many years performing and I, at some point I had to decide, am I going to do music professionally for the rest of my life or, or stick with engineering? I, I decided to stick with engineering, but yeah. I've been on stages where the, I, I think the combination of that, like, you know, banging around of the echoes together with the anxiety over how it's sounding, because you like, here you are with these musicians you play with all the time and it just sounds like complete crap mm -hmm. um, because the acoustics are bad. And you're like, man, I'm playing like, no, it's all, it's okay. You're doing the best you can. But that anxiety for the whole performance, hour, hour and a half, two hours is exhausting. And, um, you know, what to do? Well, I mean, we're not here to talk about venue acoustics, but you know, it would be nice if venues did a better job. Speakers have gotten a lot better in ear monitors help a lot. Because now you you don't have all of this conflicting sound that's bouncing all the way around, but the the comfort what I what I call sound comfort is really really important in the end. But I can also tell you that even with in ear monitors, if the room is just out of control, uh, in ear monitors will will does not does not matter because even if you're you're getting your mix from your acoustic drums and right. uh, yeah, there's places that even with my same setup, my same in-ears, my same mixer, each room is different. Right. And there are rooms that I really like in, in Nashville and rooms I do not like in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do like, I do want a good room in my house uh, where I'm uh, learning songs and where I'm recording. So yeah, this is, uh, this is helpful. So the, the, to me, the follow-up for, for both your room and other people is a discussion of that other part of acoustics called sound isolation. Yeah. I just want to, again, be really clear. Everything I talked about here is about how to provide sound comfort and sound quality inside the room. None of this is going to do any more than a decibel or two of sound control to the outside. It'll attenuate right. a little bit, but, but not even worth talking about. A dB is nothing between friends. So next time we talk, um, I'll dive into a bunch of slides about how you how you build walls so that you can actually provide privacy, sound isolation, what people call soundproofing, I guess, um, and that's that's important too for for uh, drummers and musicians. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I've already put into practice. But if you if we're able to have a discussion uh, exclusively for the podcast, working drummer, we would be uh, very grateful. It'd be awesome. Yeah. We would love to do appreciate it. it. That's the next session. So there you have it, my conversation with Anthony Grimani. Uh, sorry for the short cutoff there. That audio was taken from our Zoom video, if you hadn't noticed. But I hope that you find this conversation useful in uh, helping to upgrade any of the space that you're using for practicing or recording. 
we are going to be doing some stuff with Sonidus here in the future with a space that I have, and that will be another episode along with the episode that we have about sound isolation. Again, I encourage you to go to the link, the YouTube version of this interview. It will make a little bit more sense with the visuals and everything, but if you decide not to, you can see uh, the visuals down in the show notes on your device or on the website. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with drummer Josh Harmon. We've got something fun and different. Josh is a drummer that has this unique ability to combine drums and comedy, and one of the ways that he does that is he transcribes people talking and plays along with them. Uh, So it's going to be a little bit different for us as this episode was. I'm personally very interested to see what this episode is like. So tune in next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Josh Harmon. But for now, everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for your interest in the podcast. Stay safe, stay sane, and hope to see you around real soon. Bye-bye.